Lord. Somebody just clap your hands to the Lord one more time. Can we just stand and give him praise right now for a few moments? Somebody lift up your voice, lift up your hand. We love you, Jesus. We glorify you, God. We worship you, Lord. Amen. We came to give him great praise tonight. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. You can be seated. And I'm going to speak to you for a moment. I do want to just say it's good to see the Laudermilk family just taking up the whole row back there. That's nice. Merry Christmas to all of you. Just look at somebody and say, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Amen. That's all right. And uh, we're thankful for the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many are glad that he came? He came. How many believe he came? Yes, he did. And he changed the world forever. He truly did. Well, I, uh, I'm going to speak to you from my heart for just a few moments tonight. And uh, I'm just going to warn you, it's going to be a little different perhaps than how uh, I usually uh, would preach to you. And uh, my title is Don't Play Past the bike don't play past the bike uh, common sense theology and uh, what what I think the Lord dealt with me about this is that I realized that this is the last opportunity that I have to preach here in my church in the year 2014 and we're quickly rushing into a new year. How many find that hard to believe? I, I find it hard to believe we're rushing in to 2015. That just sounds strange to say it. 2015, 2014 was hard, but 2015 really sounds strange. We're going to blink, and it's going to be 2020. And, uh, and, and so I was, I was praying about tonight, and uh, the Lord just, all of these points that I have, usually I would preach kind of one consistent theme, and uh, but the Lord has laid all of these different thoughts on my heart over the last year, and uh, I really would have loved to have taken all of them and turned them into a full-length message, and so tonight I'm going to put them all together. Is that okay? And, uh, and we're just going to do this. I won't be long, but how many will just preach with me for a little while? And we'll have a few Christmas themes in there, and we'll have a few other things, but if you'll preach with me, I just want to talk to you for a while. Look at the person beside you and say, don't play past the bike. Common sense theology. And I've had people asking me uh, all week long what that means, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I was, I was listening the other day, and, uh, and I'm ready. You, thank you for playing. I, I was listening the other day, and... Uh, I was driving down the road as I do often to pick my kids up from school, and uh, it's a little bit of a drive, and, and I like to listen to the radio when I do that. That's why I was so, f I had to pray through, Pastor, full of jealousy at the XM radio. And no, I'm just kidding, but I, I love the radio, and my poor kids, uh, they, they hate it because uh, I like talk radio. I like to listen to a lot of talking. And uh, my, my poor kids will be driving down the road and, and they'll say, Dad, anything but talking, anything but news, Dad, please, just music, anything at all, you know. And, uh, and every once in a while I'll play a quick song and then 
and then uh, go right back to the talking. And, uh, but I, I was listening. I, I like to catch the, the time when I pick my daughter up from school. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's um, Financial Peace University and, uh, and talking a lot about uh, savings and things like that. And, and he was talking uh, about uh, the reason that people don't have retirement when they reach that age. And, uh, and uh, I, it caught my attention, and he was talking about all of the things that people go through that they worry about. They worry about percentage rates, and uh, they worry about uh, the kind of things that they should invest in. And, uh, and all of these things that we consider when, when we're thinking about saving for our retirement or for anything really. And, and he was saying how that out of all of those things, the number one reason that people don't have the right amount uh, of retirement saved when they reach that crucial year, that crucial time in their life isn't because of percentage points or because the stock market crashed or because they didn't put it in the right kind of Roth IRA or the right kind of money mutual fund or used the right person or talked to the right people or figured out just the right program. The reason that they did not have retirement is because they did not put any money into retirement in the first place. Look at your neighbor and say, common sense theology. Amen. You know, what I found when it comes to the things of God is that usually the reason that people do not produce the right kind of fruit and do not have spiritual things is because they're not laying up treasures in heaven in the first place. They're, they're laying up treasures in earthly things. How many understand that, that we're not supposed to invest in this world, things that rust and decay, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Common sense theology. You don't get anything back if you don't put anything in in the first place. It is in the natural. It's that way in the spiritual. We want to reap the benefits and the blessings of God. How many want to reap the blessings of God? How many want to see, as we just sang, we want, we want to see God open up the floodgates of heaven. We like to sing about that, don't we? Lord, pour out a blessing upon us that we cannot contain. But God is not going to bless us if we have not been storing up treasures in heaven heaven in the first place i wonder if somebody just clap your hands to the lord and give him praise right now and just begin to invest in heavenly things right now with your worship common sense theology now you got to move along with me here uh when i first moved to georgia and uh and i, I was uh first preaching here and getting to know all of you uh, I was going through one of those phases where my, my back was just out. Anybody, anybody ever been there before? Say, oh, no. And, uh, and I was hurting, and, uh, and, and, and I put up with it for quite a while, and it just got bad. And I remember I went to, went to the doctor, and, uh, and I talked to him. I, I told him what was going on, just in terrible pain. And he told me several things. He, he said, well, first of all, uh, you've done this, and... He said, I'm going to give you basically, it's, it's Tylenol, but take this. But that's really not going to help. It's just going to kind of mask the pain for a little bit. And he said, what you really need to do is you need to, you need to lay flat on your back just at night. Just instead of, instead of sleeping on your nice, soft, comfortable bed, you need to get down on the hard floor 
and you need to sleep flat on your back. And, and I remember, I remember when he said that in my, in the back of my mind, I said, well, I'm not going to do that. It's not going to happen. I'm not, not getting out of my nice comfortable bed and, and sleeping flat on the hard floor. And, uh, and so I, I did what, what we often do. I, I went home and, uh, I did everything that he said to do except lay flat on my back on the floor. I took, I took the little Tylenol that he gave me and, uh, and sure enough, about three days went by and I was in more pain after three days than after I went to the doctor. And uh, I got to a place where I was angry at the doctor. I was frustrated. I told my wife, I said, that doctor, he wasn't worth anything. He, he's not worth a plug nickel. He didn't help me. And, uh, and she said, well, go back and talk to him. I went back, and I was all set to give him a piece of my mind. Anybody, anybody ever been there before? I was going to tell him. I came. I made my copay and maybe a little bit more. And you took my money, and you didn't help me at all. And uh, I got in there. And uh, I sat down, he looked me right in the eye, and, and he could tell I was in pain. I was all hunched over. And he, he, the first thing, before I could even start to rip into him, he said, you didn't sleep on the floor, did you, like I told you to? And immediately I felt that shame. Anybody ever felt that? I just, it just washed over me. I, I felt the shame, and I realized that my stubbornness had kept me. I thought I knew more than the doctor did. And so I wasn't willing to do what he told me to do. And I said, no, sir, uh, I'm ashamed to admit it. I did not do that. Uh, I did all the other things you told me to. And he said, well, all of the rest doesn't matter if you fail in that one area. I'd been in horrible pain for at least two months. And I went home that night. I laid on the floor. I woke up the next morning like a new man. It's amazing what obedience will do. And now here's the thing. What I found when it comes to the things of God, someone said the things of God, usually, usually we get ourselves in trouble because we hear the right things. We're hearers of the word, but we're not doers of the word like the Bible says. How many understand that the word of God will not be effective in our lives? The preaching, the preached word, how many want to have good preaching in your life? But the preaching of the word will not be effective in your life. It will not change you. It will not transform you. If you go home and ignore what has been placed into your spirit. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's the 21st of December. I'm not going to get us to run and shout. But if I could just get somebody to understand as we approach 2015 that everything in your life could change. If you would become a doer of the word and not a hearer of the word only a lot of people like the comfort of hearing the word they like the comfort of being around the word they like the feeling that the power of the word gives them but they never apply it to their lives and they wonder why they're not changed and they wonder why they're empty and they wonder why they're broken in spite of the fact that they go to the house of God because the preaching goes out and the word goes out and they go home and ignore it in their life or they do a little bit over here and a little bit over there but they ignore the most vital lesson that they needed to hear someone say I want to be a doer a doer, a doer of the word, common sense theology. I went to the doctor again just for a quick checkup, you know, with the, all the open heart surgeries I've had over the years. And uh, I, I was talking to him and uh, just talking about some things. And uh, just, just the other day, about three days ago, 
And uh, he was a brand new doctor. I'd never met him before. And uh, a friendly, friendly guy. He realized I was a preacher right away. And as soon as I said that, that uh, I was a minister, in fact, he, 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 said, uh, he said, you're a minister, aren't you? I said, yes, yes, sir, I am. And, uh, and, and he asked me, it, it, it blew my mind. He, he, when he came into the room, he was wearing uh, one of those, I don't know what else to call them, but just like a driving cap. My son wears them a lot there. And, uh, and I thought that was strange. I've never seen a doctor come in with a hat before. And he wore it the whole time. And, uh, and when, he, when he heard that, uh, that I was a minister, he immediately said, would you pray with me right here in the doctor's office? And, of course, I, I said that I would, and it took me off guard. And, and when he said that, he took that driving cap off, and he leaned his head forward, and I was sitting up high, and he leaned it forward, and he had about a four-inch hole in the top of his head. You could see about a half an inch down into his skull, and he said, I just this morning, they took off they took off the dressing because I've had brain cancer for the last year. I've undergone a year and a half of chemotherapy and they cut deep into my head and they took it off this morning and he said, I, I have doctor bills. Here he is a doctor. He said, I have millions of dollars in bills. I don't even know how I'm going to pay it. He said, preacher, would you pray with me this morning? And I said, yeah. And we had a prayer meeting right there in the doctor's office. And can I tell you, the Holy Ghost showed up, that good Baptist doctor, the Holy Ghost showed up. And he said, I've never felt this. He said, I've been in church my whole life, but I feel the power of God right now. And I said, that's the healing virtue of Jesus that's flowing in this room right now. You're feeling the Holy Ghost. Tears began to flow down. His I thought he was going to get the Holy Ghost. A doctor right in the doctor's. I'm telling you, there is power in the name of Jesus. If you will cry out to Jesus in your pain, in your time of need, it doesn't matter what you know, what you believe. There's power in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Common sense theology, all you have to do is speak the name of Jesus. And things began to happen. And, uh, and it, it, it took me off guard. And, uh, and, and the thing that I want to bring out from that is that this man, he, he, was, uh, he was so helpful. I've never had a doctor more caring than he was. And he was walking through and he was really making an effort. You know, not all doctors are created equal. Sometimes they don't care at all. They just want your money and run. But he was committed to helping through some of these things and it really touched me. And when I realized that he was there trying to help me and he was in tremendous pain himself, it, mo- it just, it, it touched me deep inside when I realized that this man was, had undergone a year of chemotherapy. They had just cut into his head. He had bills that he didn't know how to pay. And here he is coming to work, trying to help people, trying to save lives, caring about people, praying with people, compassionate with people, with a smile on his face. And it reminded me, you know, that often there's that old saying that says, you know, hurting people hurt people. But I want to give some common sense theology to a child of God tonight. If you are a blood-bought, born-again, apostolic Christian, you should not hurt people when you're hurting you should help people even when you're hurting there is something powerful about a child of God who is walking through the valley of the shadow of death and says but I'm going to fear no evil I'm going to take my brother and I'm going to take my sister and I'm going to love you I'm going to serve you I'm going to help you Many people use pain as an excuse to lash out. 
Not so for a child of God. A child of God will walk even when you're hurting. Even when the load seems like it's too much to bear. And you will love people in the midst of your pain. I wish somebody would get this common sense theology tonight. You will change the world when you become like Jesus. And you're hanging on your metaphorical cross. And you say, Father... Forgive them, for they know not what they do. My God, my God, my God. Some of us stub our toe and we lash out at our brother and we destroy lives. And yet Jesus hung at Calvary and forgive the very people who had just crushed a crown of thorns on his head. God help us if we ever want to be like Jesus. We're going to have to learn how to hurt and still help people. Praise God. Because you're not going to live very long without hurting. Is that all right? Anybody live in the real world tonight? You're not going to live very long without hurting. It's going to happen. And every time you hurt... You can't lose your ability to love people. Hallelujah. Common sense. Common sense. Theology. You know, a lot of of powerful things, if you listen, a lot of times the most powerful truths come from the mouths of little children. Did you know that? If you listen. And uh, it's humbling to me. My kids are getting to that place where they're, uh, they're curious about the things of God. And they've been in church their whole lives. They've heard a lot of preaching already. But kids hear things differently than we do. And they see things differently than we do. You know, adults, we have a way of filtering everything through our own preconceived ideas. We have ways that we look at the world. And kids haven't developed some of the cynicism that we have. Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? And, and they still look at the world with the eyes of innocence. And it was, it was my, my daughter, who I don't mean to embarrass her at all, but, but she said something that just struck me. You know, one of the things that, that uh, people often are concerned about when they think about Christianity, they think about uh, what it means to be saved and to follow God. One of the questions that I often hear is, you know, what about uh, people who uh, have, have, don't know who Jesus is? Anybody ever heard someone with that concern? What about people who don't have access to, to Jesus? And people, can some people allow that to trip them up in all kinds of ways and they follow that thinking. And uh, someone had brought that up again on the radio and my daughter heard it and she said something. She said, you know, she said, Dad, you know, the, when, when, when the wise men were looking for Jesus, she said they followed a star. Anybody know that's true? And she said, I remember my Sunday school teacher, Sister Martha, saying that Jesus is the light of the world. And it hit me when she said that. That when people follow the light, they will always find Jesus. 
I said, when people follow the light, they will all. Now, listen, you want to follow Hollywood and you want to follow every other thing in the world. You will not find a baby in a manger. But if you will walk in the light that you have been given, if you will diligently seek bearing your gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and he will change your life forever. Praise God. Common sense. Common sense. You know, the psalmist said that even the heavens declare the glory of God. If you will look with eyes of innocence, even into the noonday sun, or even if you look up in the middle of night, in, at midnight, and you see the sparkling of a distant star, you know what's happening? The heavens are declaring the glory of God. They are singing the praises of their creator. And if in that moment you will begin to contemplate, I believe that God will begin to move upon you. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you live. I don't care what you have access to. God will meet you in that moment if you will cry out to something beyond you. We all have access to the same light. We all have the heavens declaring the glory of God. And the question is, will we follow the star that God places in our life or will we allow ourselves to be distracted by all of the lights of this world that are trying to artificially entice us away from the baby born in a manger. Common sense. All right, I'm moving quickly, but let me just say this. Common sense theology. Did you know that even Satan can be in God's presence? Did you know that? You know, you can come to church and still have all kinds of trouble in your life. You know, just because somebody comes to church doesn't mean that everything's as it ought to be. Even Satan, the Bible says in Job chapter 1, it always piques my interest when we see that the angels were coming, they were presenting themselves to God, and, and, and Satan literally walks into the throne room of heaven, and he accesses the presence of of God. It's interesting to me that that happens. Listen, you need to be very careful. You need to test the spirits. I'm talking about common sense theology. You need to be careful what voices you listen to, what people influence you, what kind of things you allow to become a source of influence in your life. You need to get your mind stayed on things above. You need to allow godly, 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 apostolic, apostolic, anointed, anointed, word-based influences in your life. Let me just tell you, if it's full of rebellion, you need to run from it. If it's full of fornication, you need to run from it. If it's full of lust, you need to run from it. You need to run from it. Because even Satan can walk in the presence of God looking to destroy a righteous man. Because when Satan comes into the presence of God, he is always looking to destroy righteousness. Oh, somebody needs to get that in your spirit. Somebody needs to stand up for righteousness tonight and say, I'm going into 2015 and I am going to walk in righteousness. Common sense theology. Praise God. Praise God. 
You know, the Bible says that when Mary, someone said Mary, when she came to Jesus and she came, it's interesting that it's another example that someone came to Jesus with a gift. You know, you should not come into the presence of God empty-handed. How many know that's true? And I don't just mean financially, although we should give of our finances, but we should always come into the presence of God ready to give Him our very best, whatever that is. We should give it to Him. And, and the Bible says that uh, very similarly, it reminds me of when the wise men came bearing their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but she came with her alabaster box that was full of precious oil. It was a symbol of praise. It was an act of worship, and it was expensive. It was not, it wasn't just something that she got from uh, off the shelf that didn't mean anything to her. This was something that she had put some energy into. She put some thought into it. She had put some finances into it. And, and she came to Jesus. And the Bible says that she broke open that box. And she poured out the oil on his feet. And, and the Bible says that, that, that she washed his feet with her tears and she dried it with her hair. What a beautiful act. Of, see, some of you can't, it, some of you that sounds strange to you because worship has become strange to you. But, and it was to the Pharisees that were there too, the religious elite. They, it was strange to them. Her worship seemed reprehensible. Her, her worship was frustrating to them. Listen, when you get to a place when you're watching somebody pour out their worship and it's reprehensible to you you ought to get in an altar until you get the revelation of what it means to be a praiser you better get in an altar until you get the spirit of mary stop thinking about her past stop thinking about what she did and start thinking about what she's doing right now she's doing that which is good she's doing that which is right praise god and the Bible says that she poured out her oil of praise. I believe that's what we ought to do when we go into 2015. I think that here at Apostolic Tabernacle, we need to pour out our worship. Brother Ryan, what do you mean by that? Listen, when you pour something out, we're talking about common sense theology here tonight. When you take a glass of water, praise the Lord. And if I am not going to do it, don't, get, don't worry, Sister French, I promise. I saw a preacher do that one time, and I'll never make that mistake. When you pour out a glass of water, if I were to dump this over right now, I could not take it back if I wanted to. How many know that's true? When you begin to empty something out, when you begin the process of turning that over and letting it pour out. You could try to reach out and grab it back. You could, you could say, I've changed my mind. I'm not taking that back. And you could try to get it, but you, it's physically impossible. When you begin to pour out your praise, hallelujah, when you begin to pour out your supplication, when you begin to pour your, when you begin to empty your soul out to God, when, when you begin to empty yourself in the prayer, when you begin to pour out your pride on the altar, when, when you begin to pour out everything that you have on the altar of sacrifice, there's something beautiful that happens in the presence of God. When you say, Lord, I'm emptying myself out. I couldn't take it back if I wanted to. I couldn't pick it back up if I wanted to. I'm giving it all to you, Jesus. I'm giving you 
everything that I have, God. I wish somebody right now would just begin to pour out your praise. Lift up your voice. Come on, give them a humble hallelujah tonight. Come on, we only have a few more seconds here. Somebody just begin to cry out to Jesus. I love you, God. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I glorify you, God. I glorify. I'm not taking anything back. I'm withholding nothing from you, Jesus. I empty myself. Everything. My time. My talent. My finances. My finances. Mm. It got tight for a minute. See, it's easy. Sometimes we, we're willing to pour out our praise. It's easy to say, I love you, Jesus. But then when we have to trust him... With our expensive alabaster box. That's where it gets a little hard for some of us, isn't it? You see, there's always a Judas, there's always a Pharisee that says, there's something better that you could do with that. Isn't there? But when you're pouring it out to God, there is no greater sacrifice that you could make. Common sense theology. As musicians come, I'm closing. The Bible says that in that great Christmas story where Mary and Joseph traveled 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. 80 miles doesn't sound like much to you and I. We jump in our car and we're there in an hour and 20 minutes unless we have to go through Atlanta traffic and then we're there three days later. But... But 80 miles over rough terrain on a donkey with all kinds of people traveling and to be pregnant. And all because Caesar got greedy and wanted more taxes. So he wanted to take a census of the people and find out who was paying taxes, who wasn't, and make sure nobody slipped through the cracks of Rome's taxation program. So it forced people out of the comfort of their homes, away from their ability to provide for themselves, their livelihoods, traveling all that way. And it struck me just a couple months ago as I was reading in the King James, the Bible says it very succinctly. It says that Mary was heavy with child as she traveled that route. How many know that that was a painful process for that mother-to-be who had a promise from an angel? And yet she was bearing the Messiah about to give birth to the King of Kings. Anybody understand that? The Lord of Lords. Emmanuel, God with us. This was a great moment. This was a moment where the angels were singing glory to God in the highest. Wise men were traveling, following a star. Shepherds, lowly shepherds, were receiving the revelation that something powerful was happening. And yet, She was heavy with child in pain, hurting the pain of labor. And the Lord spoke to me and said this, Whenever 
the church is heavy with pain and care and sometimes even worry and sorrow. It always means that it's about to give birth to a powerful revival. A powerful revival that can only happen when it's willing to undergo the process, the journey that doesn't always make sense. It doesn't seem right. Why, why would this happen? I, here I have a promise from God. The angel spoke to me. I saw an angel. And yet I'm having to go through this painful process. I get there and there's not even room for me in an inn. I can't even find a place to lay my head down. It seems like I'm out of the will of God. Anybody ever felt that way before? It's tempting to think I'm out of the will of God right now. I, I must be far. The hand of God is far removed from my life. And yet Mary and Joseph were right where God wanted them to be. God was positioning them for great things. I wish somebody would stand with me tonight and receive that. You may be feeling heavy in your spirit. You may be going into this holiday season, this Christmas time, and you may be loaded down with care and worry. You might be in physical pain right now. And right now you're thinking, God, why do I have to go through this? God, why am I feeling this way? God, it doesn't make sense. God, I'm hurting and God wants to speak into your life and say, if you'll just hold on a little while longer, I'm positioning you for something great. Something is about to happen. God is about to step in. God is about to be right in the middle of where you are. Might just seem like a baby. Might just seem like a baby. But he's the Messiah. The Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. I wonder right now. I know I've preached a little bit differently tonight. But I wonder if we could just gather around this altar. If we could grab hold of a loved one, a friend. Find a brother, find a sister. And let's just come to this altar. And let's just say, Lord, as we're going into Christmas. As we're going into a new year, God. I pray that we could hold on, even, even though some of us may be feeling heavy tonight. Some of us may be going through some things. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hold on. Hold on. I want to give you one final thing as you come around the altar. I don't want to leave you here. Don't move the bike. This is my last thought that I want to give you, and I want to look you right in the eye when I give it to you. Don't move the bike. Look at your neighbor and say, don't move the bike. I was, a couple days ago, I was in my driveway and walking around doing some things. And my son and my daughter were playing out in the driveway as they love to do. Hold on one second. I want to make sure they hear this. And then I want you to play. That's beautiful. My son and my daughter were playing and riding bikes. And we have a long driveway. And I was worried that, that they would go to the road as they you know, as kids like to do. And I, I stepped out and I looked and my, a certain young man who will remain nameless was almost in the middle of the road and cars love to drive through there quickly and I got worried. And so uh, I, I got angry as parents do sometimes. You know, every time someone gets angry, it doesn't mean they don't love you. Sometimes it's because they love you that they're angry. And I, I, I raised my voice a little bit and I said, hey, get out of that road. Get up here closer to the house. And his bicycle 
was about halfway between the house and the road in the middle of the driveway. And I said, see that bicycle right there, young man? I said, you stay behind that bicycle, between the bicycle and the house. Don't go past the bike. Don't play past the bike. And, uh, and he said, yes, sir, yes. Look, look. I said, you understand? You, when you're a parent, you learn you have to do that. You understand? And then, and then you ask him in. You understand? And after about three times, you're convinced. And uh, I said, all right. And so I stepped away for about five minutes. Five minutes later, I walk out and I look. And he's almost in the road again. And um, at that point, I'm, I'm in full-blown parent mode. And I said, what are you doing? And I looked out there and he looked at big old innocent eyes and said, but daddy, I haven't gone past the bike. He had moved the bike. Almost into the road. He had removed the boundaries is what he had done. Common sense theology. The Bible says, remove not the ancient landmarks. You see, oftentimes what we do with God is God very clearly tells us what is right and what's wrong. God is often very, 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 very clear. And what we often do if we're not careful is we, we think we're smart and we say, Lord, I know where the bike is, but I'm just going to move it a little bit and then I won't go past it. And we think we're really doing something smart. But in the end, we find ourselves right in the middle of the danger that God was trying to keep us from in the first place. And I want to leave you with this. The last thing I'm going to be able to tell you as we go into a new year is be very careful that you don't start moving landmarks that God put there because he loves you. Could you lift up your hands right now as they play? Find your loved one. Find a brother and sister and just commit with them right now as I go into a new year. I'm not going to go past the bike. I'm not going to ignore what God told me. I'm going to serve him with gladness. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Lord, we know that you put some things there. Not because you're angry at us. Not because you're just a God who wants to control our every movement, but because you love us, you know what's best for us, God. You care about us. You're a friend that is always there. You said you'd never leave us. You'd never forsake us. But God, sometimes we remove ourselves from your presence, Lord. And I feel your hand trying to reach out to somebody tonight, Lord. I pray that we would find the joy of living in your presence, of living according to your word, God. I pray that we would love your word, that we would love you, that we would serve you with all of our heart, God. We praise you. We glorify you. Hallelujah. 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 Let's sing this song together. That's beautiful. Let's sing that. We remember Calvary's cross. Be willing to make this your prayer.